0: you're standing let's read from the word of the Lord please 1st Kings chapter 3 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 16 1st Kings chapter 3 and verse 16 we'll read through verse that's a long reading we'll read for a while now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him and one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. And it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth and we were together. And no one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. When I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had borne. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh my Lord, give her, give her the living child and by no means kill him but the other said let him be neither mine nor yours but divide him so the king answered and said give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him she is his mother and all Israel heard the judgment which the king had rendered and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to minister justice. And I think while I just say that they all feared the king, let's all give President Barack Obama a rousing applause. And thank God for the strong leadership, strong leadership, bearing up under a tremendous load. I want to talk today about a mother's love. Would you say that after please? A mother's love. (laughs) You may be seated. It's probable that the matter that we've read about in the text had been heard in the lower courts and by the lower judges of the kingdom of Israel. But these judges and these courts could not settle the matter between the two women. Both of the women were strong in their assertions. Both of them stood by firmly their point of view. There were no outside witnesses to confirm or deny their stories. Though neighbors had probably seen the children, they had not taken so much of a notice of them to be able to tell them or distinguish between them since both of the children were probably illegitimate children the men probably stayed away for fear of guilt by association or just because many men even though guilty just stay away under these circumstances can't get away from them before the moment can't find them after the moment. The other women stayed away because of resentment or anger at the immorality and because they did not want to be associated with the lifestyle of these two women. Thus, no outsider had been close enough to distinguish between the two children and neither was there enough of an age difference to help to reach a conclusion. There was obviously not enough physical resemblance to make a difference and the unknown fathers had departed to places unknown. So the matter came before King Solomon. He was the supreme judge and the supreme court of the kingdom. The Bible describes these two women as harlots. And some Jewish history scholars would understand the word harlot to mean that they were innkeepers or they were hostesses, and though the word is also used for prostitutes, we cannot be sure of what they were. We can assume, while admitting the possibility of error, That the children were born out of wedlock and were the fruit of immorality but how much better it was in those days for children the fornication than it is commonly now for harlots then loved their children nursed their children and were unwilling to part with their children but now i'm told that as many children are aborted as are born. Millions of innocent lives have been snuffed out in the twilight even before the sunrise of their existence. I've heard nurses tell and I've seen writings about quivering, sometimes crying fetuses snatched from their unwilling mother's wounds. Even animals have care for their young. And with the sexual act comes responsibility for both parties who are involved in the sexual act. And so even in 2011, let me remind you that the Bible places sexual involvement within the context of marriage. The Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery. The Bible says flee fornication. You might say, well, preacher, you're outdated. That is not possible in this day. But Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Girls and boys, men and women, don't be immoral. But if you are immoral, don't add murder to immorality. I know I'm going to be preaching by myself here. Give life a chance. Thou shalt not kill. Some things, when you repent for them, they have no earthly consequences. But no amount of repentance can bring back a life that has been aborted. And so both of these women were called harlots. One had been promiscuous, the other had been promiscuous and careless about the welfare of her child. We'll talk about her jealousy and her deceit and her selfishness later, but for now, she was careless, and in the night, she rolled over on her newborn child and crushed that child and smothered that child. She should have known what kind of sleeper she was. She should have known that she was prone to deep sleep and to tossing and turning in her sleep. She should have taken some kind of precaution against harming the child in her sleep. She had probably seen her fellow tenant with her baby sleeping beside her and holding her baby in her arms while she was sleeping and she decided she wanted to be like the other lady in the house and sleep with her child close to her. But children should be neither too close or too far away. Bring them close enough to give them love. Keep them far enough away to allow them to develop. Keep them close enough so that they can be cherished but don't be so close that you cannot discipline them keep them close enough so that they'll learn how to love but also don't be so close that they don't learn respect if you love your child too much to control your child then you need to make some adjustments in your love style because real love will discipline. I'm not talking about child abuse and excessively harsh discipline, but a little pine on the behind never really hurt any of us. When your child is so close, you're afraid to punish him your child is so close he can look you in the eye and tell you to shut up and you hit your child and he hits you back then it's time for some serious business in the house because if you don't control him somebody else if they can't control him will take him out of this earth or put him away for the rest of his life this woman was so close that she smothered her son. If he had lived, if that was her style, she might have emotionally smothered him. You've got to find a balance between tenderness and firmness, closeness and distance, softness and toughness. There's a time and a place for each of these in the rearing of our children, and especially with our sons. It seems that this society, this day, is devastating our young black men, handicapping them, and disabling them. But listen, it's, we can teach our sons to be men, we can teach them to be responsible, we can teach them to be those who will make a positive and meaningful contribution to life on earth this day and so though these women were called harlots (coughs) they were still permitted to come before the king they were not excluded from access to justice and access to the hearing of their case they were not rejected they were not cast aside their case was heard and this reminds me of the words of Hebrews 4 15 Where the Bible says, wherefore saying we have not a high priest who cannot be tempted by uh, the feeling of our infirmities but was touched by the feeling of our infirmities but was tempted in all points like as we are. And therefore we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help. Just as these women who might have been disrespected were able to come before the king and have their case heard I don't care how low you've sunk. I don't care what people think about you. I don't care what people say about you. Jesus is always ready to receive you. No matter what kind of sin you've committed, no matter who you've hurt, no matter what you've done, you can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in your time of need. Whoever you are, whatever you've done. I'm so glad that uh, the kingdom of God is available to everybody. I'm so glad that whosoever will can come and find life. Hallelujah. Solomon, when he heard the conflicting stories, when he heard their versions and, 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 and their side of the story, came upon a solution. It was a strange solution, and I think I heard some gasp when Solomon said, kill the child, bring me a sword, divide the child. But that was merely a strategy to bring out the true feelings and the true thoughts of these two women. And when he said, bring me a sword, divide the child, I think he had his answer just by looking at the faces of those two women. One woman said, yes, that's great divide the child in essence you were saying kill the child take the child's life destroy the child hallelujah hallelujah you know some people are that way even today if they can't have it they want to ruin it if they can't run it they want to destroy it if they can't have things their way They want to kill it. They might be in an auxiliary of the church. Everybody comes together on the goal and on the strategy, but they didn't call your name and you're not in charge of the project. So all of a sudden you start finding all kind of fault, all kind of weaknesses, all kind of flaws in the endeavor. So many people, if they're not in charge of it, they want to destroy it. The pastor just doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know which direction to take the church in. If he would listen to me, then he would be able to get this thing going and in order. That's the problem. It's not the problem that the program is not right and the program is not progressive. It's that he just won't listen to you. Amen. If you're not in on the friendship, you want to break up the friendship, And so many folk just walk around ruining friendships. They're not going to be a friend. They're not going to help build a relationship. But if they see two people who are friends, they try to find some kind of way to bust up the friendship. They just don't want to be miserable by themselves. And some folk want to hinder the whole work of God because they are not at the center of attention. And so this woman who said divide the child did not love the child and said, yes, divide it. But this woman, one, the other woman, said, no, let the child live. I'd rather lose the whole child alive than to have half a child dead. And so please, King, don't destroy the child. She had already been given a whole dead child. And what would she want to do with another half of a dead child? She'd have just one and one half dead children. And if she had not loved her child, all of this would have been just fine with her and convenient for her. So many who are single and alone don't want to be bothered with a baby and they want to say, yes, take it, eliminate it, take it away. She would have allowed the other woman to have the responsibility and there are so many who do so on today. But observe this woman's spirit. She said, King, let the child live. I don't want to kill the child just because I can't have the child. And you know, that's the spirit we need in the church, in the world, in the community today. Listen, don't hinder the general good of all for a personal concern. Don't block the progress just because you don't feel you're getting the recognition that you desire. Let people live. Oh, listen, let people live. If, if somebody's happy, why do you want to come and rain on their parade? if somebody's having a good day why do you want to call and bring up some mess and some foolishness honey I didn't want to bother you with this but so and so hates your guts she's been talking about you for weeks and I just thought you needed to know goodbye their day their week their month is ruined and you walk away with some kind of smile on your face because you feel you've carried them some news that they really would be better off Without having when Solomon saw the love of this woman for her child when Solomon saw that she was willing to let the other woman have the whole child alive then to destroy the child Solomon knew then that the woman who wanted to divide the child was not the true mother but the woman who wanted to keep the child alive even if she could not possess him and have her him with her then she was the true mother of the child he saw that she was the one who had a mother's love for that child and listen a mother's love is symbolic of the love of God because number one a mother's love is unconditional I said a mother's love is unconditional a mother does not love the child because of the child's attractiveness. Because of the child's beauty. If that was the only foundation for the love of a mother, a whole lot of us would go unloved. Can I get an amen? She does not love the child because of the child's value, for the children are in their young age a liability rather than assets, they are a cost rather than a benefit but a mother loves the child just because the child is her child. And God said, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Called my son out of Egypt. God's love is unconditional. The Bible says, herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loves us. And I've just come by to tell you today that no matter who you are, No matter how you've lived, no matter what kind of mistakes you've made, God loves you. And God's love for you is an unconditional love. But listen, another thing about a mother's love is not only is it unconditional, a mother's love is unlimited. For she never loses the capacity to love. Her love is unlimited, it endures pain, it endures suffering, it endures uh, uh, all kinds of sacrifices and no sacrifice is too great and no price is too high for the love of a mother. And so it is with the love of God. God's love is without limit. God's love reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and it reaches to the lowest hell. Listen, you can't go beyond the boundaries of the love of God. The poet penned a a, a poem and said, listen, if all the sky were a scroll and if all the oceans were ink." If every man were a scribe by trade and if every stalk on earth were a pen to write the love of God would drain the ocean dry and not could the scroll contain the whole though it be stretched from sky to sky. God's love is unlimited and you can't go so far that you go beyond the boundary of the love of God. And so a mother's love is unconditional. A mother's love is unlimited, but also a mother's love is self-sustaining. Some people, if you love them, they will love you. If you nourish their love, it will continue. But a mother's love, it is good when it is nourished, but even if it's not nourished, a mother's love just goes on and on. Oh yes, it does. A child may be disrespectful, but the mother loves the child anyhow. The child may be disobedient, but the mother loves that child anyhow. A child may be unloving and unresponsive and unkind, but the mother will still love him because the mother's love is self-sustaining. But aren't you glad that the love of God is also self-sustaining? God loves us. I said God loves us. When we disobey his law. God loves us when we turn away from the will of God. God loves us even when we refuse to love him. God loves us even when we have forgotten about him and turned our faces and our hearts away from him. The love of God does not have to be nourished. It's an agonizing love. For God said, I have no pleasure in the death of a wicked, but that the wicked will turn from his way and live. He said, I love you with an everlasting love. And I've just come by to tell you today that God's love is is, is everlasting. God's love is unlimited. And God's love is unconditional. And the songwriter said, I don't know why he loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad that he did. Help me praise the Lord. Help me bless the name of the Lord. But the last thing I want to say about a mother's love, Is that a mother's love is a giving love. Oh, bless the name of God. Sometimes my children ask me for a little help. And I decided I need to teach them a little uh, discipline and a little control. And so I hold back from them for a little while. But then Sister Blake goes way down in a drawer somewhere. Into a cache that I don't know anything about. And pretty soon the children walked by me smiling. And I try to figure out why in the world are these folks smiling when I told them no. Well, mother's love is a giving love. And she had a supply for them that I didn't know anything about. But thank God that God's love is also a giving love. He just keeps on giving he just keeps on sharing the bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and so we ought to give praise to God for the love of a mother We ought to give praise to God for a mother that loved us when everybody else wanted to throw us away. We ought to give praise to God for a mother who loved us despite our faults, despite our weaknesses, who held on to us when everybody else would have thrown us away. Thank God for a mother that prayed. I said a mother that prayed for us. Oh, yes, she did. You thought you made it because of your education. You thought you made it because of your ingenuity. But it was your mother's prayers for many of you that brought you through. Way over in the night, she prayed for you. She said, Lord, bless my child. Keep my child. Lift my child. Thank God for the love of a mother. But even more... Thank God that he loved me, he reached way down, picked me up, turned my life around, set me free, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, praise him, clap your hands and praise him, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I love to say that the Lord had to pick us out. We didn't didn't just get saved on our own. But if you're saved at all, it's because the Lord picked you out. And if God picked you out, there were so many that the Lord did not pick out. If he chose you, There had to be many that he passed by just to get to you. Here's a millionaire that he passed by. Here's a PhD that he passed by. Here's a billionaire that he passed by. Here's a king that he passed by. Here's a college professor that he passed by. But he reached way over and then he reached way down. And he picked you out. Come on, I don't know why. He picked you out, but it's just the grace. It's just the grace of God. Hallelujah. Stand up and give praise to God. Stand up and clap your hands. Thank the Lord. 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 come at your neighbor and say neighbor I'm so glad that the Lord saved me hallelujah hallelujah he didn't have to do it but he did it anyhow praise the Lord praise the Lord hallelujah hallelujah word goes out to somebody today God loves you his love is unconditional his love is unlimited his love might have been in many cases unnourished but he loves you just the same his love is a giving love he doesn't want to deprive you or take away from you he wants to bless you He said, I'm come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. God wants you to have abundant life, full life, satisfying life, fulfilling life, a blessed life. You can come to God. Just as these women were able to come to the king, you're able to come before the almighty God. Of the Lord no matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived. No matter where you've failed and come up short, God loves you with an everlasting love. You can be forgiven today. You can be saved. You can be blessed. You can be helped. The Bible says we can come before the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Whether you need mercy or whether you need help are both of them. You can come to God and you can find it through the grace and the mercy and the power of almighty God. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want to pray for somebody today. I want to pray for somebody who does not know Jesus. I want to pray for somebody whose sins are not forgiven. I want to pray for somebody who's not sure that were you to die today you'd see the face of the Lord in peace. I want to pray for somebody who senses that there is a gap between you and your God and you want God to reach out and take charge of your life. There have been so many areas of stress and tension and failure in your life that you've come to understand that it is in God that you live is in God That your move is in God. That you have your being, no living, no moving, no being without God. And you want your sins forgiven. You want Jesus Christ to become your Lord and your Savior. He loves you so much that he gave his very life on a cross for you. I want to pray for those who would say, preacher, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to get in touch with God. I need God's help and God's power in my life. Father, every head is bowed. If you're that person, I will pray for you right where you stand, right where you are. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven you. Your life can be changed in the moment of your confession of your sins and acceptance of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You'll never, ever be the same again. If you would say, Preacher, pray for me. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well between me And God, just lift that hand and hold it high. Lift it and hold it high. This is your way of saying, preacher, I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well between me and my God. In the balcony, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. This is your day, your time, your moment. Every sin can be forgiven. Your life can be changed by the power of Almighty God. Lift up that hand. As your way of saying preacher include me in the prayer include me in the prayer dear Lord I pray for those hands that are lifted I thank you dear Lord that you by your grace have organized their lives so that they would be here to hear this word and come to know you as Lord and Savior thank you dear Lord that you allowed them to live to this day the devil could have taken them out but dear God you've kept them here because you have a purpose and destiny for them thank you dear Lord for drawing them to yourself do your work in their lives today in Jesus name everyone repeat this prayer after me dear Lord I'm sorry for my sin please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been I want to be saved I believe that Jesus is the son of God I believe that he died for my sin. I believe that he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I give my life to him. And I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I thank you, Lord. I have new life. Come on and praise God for salvation and for new life. The word of the Lord says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus,